0: Praise the Lord for that. Um, So already two years in advance. How about that? Uh, So praise the Lord. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 3 tonight. Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to try to go through this pretty quick. We may not get through all of it tonight, but that's okay. Romans chapter 3. We'll pick it up in verse number 19 where, we, uh, where we, actually, we actually touched on these two verses and then we'll go into the rest of the chapter. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 through 31. The Bible says, Now we know what things, uh, that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. "...therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law it is, know- it is knowledge of sin." But now the righteousness of God, without the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all upon all of them that believe. For there is no difference. And we'll actually stop at verse number twenty-three. For all have sinned and come short. Of the glory of God, and we'll touch on the rest of the verses. But uh, tonight, last week, we talked about the man in the mirror, and tonight I want to talk about the new man in the mirror. Uh, so you know that there is an old song, and I believe most of us probably know it in here. It's called "The Old Gray Mare." She ain't what she used to be. You ever heard that song before? My, uh, my wife's grandma, before she passed away, uh, my wife would um, call her up and she would say this exact same phrase. Um, she would say, how you doing, grandma? And she goes, well, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Um, And you know, that's a little bit, uh, that's a bit funny to us, but can I, my friends, can I tell you tonight that saved people this evening can very relate to this, to this song. You know, we aren't the way we used to be. Um, And uh, it's the various things that last Wednesday night, we talked about verses nine through uh, 20 is found that man has is totally depraved. He's a totally depraved creature and there is absolutely no good in him at all. Everything he touches, tarnishes uh, because of the sin that fills his life. Um, and, as we talked about those things, we looked at the man in the mirror and we saw how uh, how corrupt man can be. But tonight, I want to share with you some good news tonight we 've been going through a bunch of um, it looks look like kind of sort of bad from Romans chapter one through the, up until this point. It seems point toward the negative and how bad man can be. But tonight we focus on some good news. And I don't know about you, but I like good news more than I do bad news. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the new man in the mirror. And uh, first of all, I by way of review, I want to go back to uh, verse 19 and 20 and see how a man was a ruined man. Um, in verses 19 and 20, and we are referring back to last message uh, just for a moment, but in verse 19, we saw that he was declared uh, a sinner by the law. Because the law of God expresses all the things that man is guilty of, man stands exposed as a sinner and condemned by the law. I'll give you the quote that J.B. Phillips said. Uh, it says, it is, a, uh, it is the straight edge of the law that shows us just how crooked we really are. You know, no one can look into the Word of God and miss exactly what Paul is talking about in these two verses. And just remember, uh, again, look at Christ's words in the Sermon on the Mount. And it defines these uh, very very well. But, you know, it's the mirror of God's Word that reveals just how wretched we really are. You know, um, He is also damned as a sinner by the law. In verse 20 it talks about this. God gave the law to man as a tool. God gave the Bible to us as a tool. It, it, was, it was given to, shown, to show us that we are a sinner and that we need to be going toward God. You know, it is the law, uh, entire, it's the entire reasoning that it exists. Is that if it could be summed up in one statement, it would be that the law was given to show man that he was guilty in the eyes of the Lord and that he is in need of a Savior. Um, and uh, we see that the law is like a mirror. If you, look, if you look in a mirror, what do you do? Uh, you, you see just how bad you really look, don't you? And especially in the morning. But can I tell you that a mirror cannot clean you? Can it not? You can't just take a mirror off the wall and rub it against your face. And guess what? It won't clean you. But what the mirror really does is it points you to the sink. It points you to the water. It, points, it shows you what you need to change. And that's what the Bible does. It shows what you need to change. You can't just own a Bible and it doesn't make your life clean. You know what it does show, though? It shows you that Jesus Christ can make your life clean. Amen. And that's what the Bible is. It shows, it's like a mirror. And we see that a man is a ruined man, but tonight I want to give you good news that he is a redeemed man. He's a redeemed man tonight. Look at verses 21 through 26. Look at the first word in that verse. It says, but, but now the righteousness of God Without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. I notice here the conjunction, con- conjunction but it denotes a change of thought. It, it stands as a worthy doorkeeper to the thoughts that will follow in the next few verses. And I certainly, I certainly was a ruined man when I was not saved. I was a ruined man, lost, dying, and going to hell. But yet I thank God that there was a change in, in the scenery. There was a change that took place. And it is represented by the little word but. You know. Uh, you know, say, say I've done all this. I, I lived a sinful life. I did this but God saved me. Thank God for that tonight. You know. Pay attention to those little words throughout the Bible. They, they, they are very crucial. Because uh, it, it shows a change of thought that's coming. Remember even the largest door uh, is on a little hinge. A little, the, the largest door is even on a little hinge. Um, for instance, if you think of the passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, we won't go there for a second time, but I encourage you to look that over. There's a word, but, in there too, and it, it is in the same, similar fashion as this passage. There's a change of thought. There's a change that comes. These few verses tonight that we're going to look at are now, are, they are jammed packed full of theological truth. Um, you know, the, uh, there's been a couple of people that have quoted this as the heart of the Bible. Martin Luther said, this is the morrow of theology. This is probably perhaps the deepest theological sea in the entire New Testament. Now we can never do them justice and we could go on and on and on about these verses that we're going to just briefly touch on tonight. Um, there is so much in this passage and we could take, uh, we could take months to talk about this. Um, but for sake of time, we're just going to kind of touch on them and glean from a little bit of the truth from it. And I noticed that there are some Traits about the new man in the mirror tonight. Um, I see that he has experienced faith. He's experienced faith. In, in 21 through 23, we see that man has a very big problem. He's a sinner, right? We know that he's a sinner and we have seen the fact, we've seen that fact repeatedly, loud and clear through through Romans chapter 1 verse number 1 all the way to Romans chapter 3 verse number 20 that man is a sinner in need of a Savior. His problem is that he is lost and he cannot get to God. We have found that man cannot work his way to God. We cannot be good enough to please God and yet God demands that perfect righteousness to enter heaven. You see, man is a miserable sinner. It says in verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, we, may, we will never be right with God by virtue of our own efforts. Uh, but when the Bible says, come short of the glory of God in that phrase, in that verse, it means that we literally miss the mark. We miss the mark. And uh, the tense in that phrase, uh, the tense of that word suggests that it's an ongoing process. Um, we will ne- it will continue to miss the mark. In other words, no matter how good we may get, no matter how, uh, how, how li- good our lives are, we are still missing the mark and falling short of the glory of God. You can't get to God on your own. Uh, but therefore, God allows man to be made righteous by them placing their faith and trust in him. Um, and we see, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. What these verses are telling us is, is that salvation does not come by works or by being a good person. Salvation is solely by faith. You cannot buy your way to heaven. And you know, people try to buy their way to heaven. And people try to get as much money as they can, but all, those, all that money means nothing in the world's. Because you can't buy your way to heaven, you can't be good enough to go to heaven, you can live a spotless life, you could not commit one other sin in your life, but look folks, you're still if you're not saved, you're going to hell. You know you cannot be good enough to get to heaven, you cannot work hard enough to get in he- to get to heaven. I believe some of us and hopefully all of us are hard workers, um, and you know I can tell you that you could work hard enough, but you can't get to heaven based on hard work. Um, however, you can believe in Jesus. By saved by, be saved by grace through faith and be declared righteous by the heavenly Father and go to heaven with nothing but faith to show for it. The, uh, notice the words in verse number 22. It says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. I see the phrase upon, uh, unto all and upon all there. This implies that the Lord takes righteousness... And gives it to to, and puts it on those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, That's how salvation works, folks. That's exactly how salvation works. Um, He has, uh, I see that the the new man, he's experienced this kind of faith. But he's also uh, experienced freedom. Look in verse number 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus This verse introduces us to two great theological words and they are the words justify and redemption. Uh, The word justified means to declare one not guilty or to make one as though he ought to be. In a biblical sense, it means that God in His power and in His grace declares us to be righteous and worthy of a relationship with Him. Praise God for that tonight. Praise God that when you get saved, you are justified. You know, tonight we also see the word redemption. It means to set at liberty after the payment of a ransom price. To put it all together, when we received Jesus as our Savior, God applied the price that Jesus had paid on the cross to our account and declared us righteous. Praise God for that tonight. He thereby freed us from the condemnation and the consequences of our sin. He literally set us free. Man, praise the Lord for that tonight. You know, in Jesus, I am free from my need to try and please God. From, uh, he is already pleased with me because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I no longer have to try to be good to get God to let me into heaven. Because I, he's, already done, he's already given me his own righteousness in his eyes. Because I personally accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Therefore, I'm good enough to go to heaven because I accepted him as my Savior. That's a blessing tonight. That's a blessing that that's all I had to do tonight. You know, and here's the kick. The Bible says that the verse, that all it has been freely. Do you notice that in verse number 24? Being justified freely. You know this word means without a cause. Without a cause. Basically God gave us his righteousness even when we did not deserve it. Man, he gave it to us even though we could never earn it. We could never pay him back for it. And he gave it to us without a single cause without any strings attached. You ever known any gift to be like that? Any, any circumstances where there was no strings attached? You know, commercials, they always tell you that this is free or this is this. Or that, you know, if you buy this, you're only like $39.99, right? But what does it say in the little print? Plus shipping and handling, right? There's little strings attached to it. And you know, after that, it's probably like 100 bucks or even more than that. But salvation, folks, is free. Salvation is free, and there's no little plus shipping and handling. There's nothing attached to it, folks. And can I tell you that why people think that, that you have to work for your salvation, why people think that there's extra to it, it, it amazes me. But, um, but you know, there's, there's, uh, there's no explaining it. And I'm grateful tonight that he saved me. And the only two words that enter my mind why he would do that is love and grace. Love and grace tonight. Um, I know that I do not understand all there is to know about salvation and redemption, but I'm glad that I can experience them even though I don't understand it. You know, I understand how, you know, you you ever wonder how the electrons uh, created through the turbines flow through wires until they make the light glow? Uh, You know, I never even contemplated it, but I'm not just going to sit in the dark and uh, contemplate it. I just trust that it's there, right? I just trust that it's going to work. You know, that's the same way salvation works. We gotta trust that it works. And you know what? I'm grateful tonight that it's salvation, that I know, that I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven and that my salvation is not going to be taken away from me, folks. It's not going to be taken away. No man can pluck anybody out of the hand of God. Praise God for that. You know, he, and the new man he's also experienced forgiveness. Look at verse 25 and 26. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. I see His free, that the, the the that the new man has experienced forgiveness. These verses teach us that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Throughout this theological word literally means the appeasement or a satisfying it's a satisfying. This word comes from a Hebrew word which is used to cover the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, uh, which is sprinkled with the blood uh, of the of the Lamb across, and it it, it basically is sh- basically the sacrifice is paid for. But what it means for you and me is that when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, God requires nothing further from us. He is absolutely satisfied because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary, and when we believe on that it is totally paid for he's satisfied with that payment aren't you glad for that tonight he is absolutely satisfied and because of this he has forgiven us by the remission of sins that are past the word remission means to pass over or to disregard when we trusted christ god put our sins behind him he doesn't remember them. Praise God for that. Praise God he, he forgets those sins. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Praise God for that tonight. And you know, as you can see, glory to God above, the man in the mirror isn't the same man as he used to be. I'm grateful tonight that I can look in the mirror and I can see a man, a man that back uh, when I was 13 years old, I'm not the same person I once was, praise God. Um, but when I got to be 14 years old and I trusted Jesus Christ and my Savior, I could look in the mirror and I'm saved by God's grace tonight. And it, there is a new man in the mirror tonight. But how about the person that looks back at you? How about the person that looks at you? You know, uh, what are you trusting in this evening for your soul salvation? Is it God and his shed blood or is it some religious experience? How have how you experienced the glory and the power of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? I know we've been talking about the bad news about the last few weeks, about uh, the hell-bound sinner who deserves nothing better. But tonight, I'm grateful that I could share some good news of eternal life and that the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God for that. He is a redeemed man, but number three tonight, he is a righteous man. He's a righteous man. We see in verses 27 and 28, let's go to verse 27 and 28. Where is boasting then? Is it, it is excluded uh, uh, is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I see that the, man, the righteous man has a new relationship with the law. According to Paul in these verses, the new man knows that he isn't saved by keeping the law. He is saved by pure faith in Christ. Therefore, there is nothing about which he can boast about the matter of salvation. You know, instead of man taking credit for something of which he had nothing to do with, by the way, salvation is not what we can do, it's what Christ did for us. Can I tell you that the only thing we did was believe on it? We didn't pay the price. We didn't come and by the way that we even talked to on it last week where God, somebody just doesn't go after God man just doesn't get up and goes after God God comes to them God comes and convicts your heart that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And He did that in my life and He's done that in your life. If you're saved, if you saved by the grace of God, that is what He did in your life. He came to you and by, by, praise God I'm grateful He came to me. I'm grateful that He saw me in my lost condition. He saw me as what I, the sins that I committed and He still loved me regardless of what I was doing. And I'm grateful tonight that He saved me out of that and now He saved me into a life eternal to where I'm going to be walking on the streets of Pure gold, and have a home in heaven one day. Praise God for that. Yeah. He has a new relationship with the law. You know, he knows the law was just a tool by the Lord to bring him to Himself. You know, he's he has a new relationship with the law. Now, imagine for me for a moment. And you know, there's a lot of religions that have dues, and that they, they, there's a lot of religions tonight of salvation that you have to do something to be saved, right? You know, imagine for me for a moment if I had two chairs sitting up here and one was labeled do and the other was labeled done. Now, those two chairs represent every single religion on the face of this earth. Every belief system, everything, every system is either a do or a done. The do religions are all based on the notion that man can just do something to please the Lord. He must do something such as pray, join a church, give money, be a good person, make a sacrifice, uh, wear certain types of clothes, keep the Ten Commandments, you name it, that's what it is. You have to do something. Although all the do religions may seem different from the outside... They all require their followers to do something in order to earn salvation. Religions like Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Mormonism, uh, the Jehovah's Witness, the Roman Catholicism. All examples of due religions. They all want you to do something in order to be saved. In short, every religion in the world has, is a due religion except one. One religion is already a done and that is Christianity, folks. Christianity is a done religion. Those who are truly saved haven't done anything and aren't required to do anything. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me, don't you think? You know, well, it's already done. Because Jesus has already done everything that is necessary, folks. Now every person in this room is sitting, every person in this room tonight is sitting in one of these two chairs. Either you're sitting in a do chair or your and your and your claim where you're doing things to get to heaven, or you're sitting in the chair where you know that everything has already been taken care of, everything's already done for you, and let be honest with God and yourself tonight. Which chair are you sitting in? Are you sitting in the chair like I have to go to church, I have to do this, I have to do this in order to obtain my salvation to go to heaven, or are you sitting in the done chair and like God's already taken care of it for me? God's already taken care of me. All I had to do was believe that he did this. And that's what's going to get me to heaven. Now, do I believe you ought to come to church? Do I believe you ought to pray? Do I believe you ought to read your Bible? Absolutely. But they're not requirements to go to heaven, folks. They're, that, that, should be, that should be following what God did for us. That should be us wanting to learn more about God and do more for Christ. Not for the simple fact that that's going to uh, help us into heaven, but the fact that we want to serve Him because of what He's already done for us. And you know, He has a new relationship with the Lord as well. In verses 29 through 30, is He, uh, is he the God of the Jews only? Is He not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. See, it is, "...seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith, and the Son's circumcision through faith." We see in these two verses that the new man has a new relationship with the Lord. Now, because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are brought into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, He isn't just a Father of our Lord. He is our Father, and he is the, he, we are His sons and daughters tonight." Praise God for that. He has saved us. He has justified us, accepted us in his son. And even now he awaits for us a new home in heaven. You know, I I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go, folks. I'm ready to see my Lord and Savior tonight. You know, Jesus can come back tonight and it wouldn't hurt me one bit. I'm ready to see him. And I know most of you are probably saying the same. You know, I'm ready to go. But, you know, we have a new relationship with the Lord tonight. And also, we ha- he has a new relationship with life. Look in verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. In this final verse... The great apostle Paul asked the final question. If we are saved by faith apart from the law, then does that this make the law of God void? Does it, is it dull now? In other words, can we just throw out the law and live lives as we please if we really are, are saved by grace? The answer there, did you see it? It says, God forbid. What he's saying there is that our salvation does not do away with the law. Instead, our salvation establishes or fixes in place the law of God. How is this true? Well, the Lord uses the law to teach us that we are sinners. He uses it teaches us that we are sinners. He uses the law to show us that we are doomed without him. He uses the law to, to establish our need. Now that we are saved, the Lord brings to begins to live this law through our lives. The difference is that we are not living in the law to be saved. Praise God, we're not living in the law to be saved tonight. Uh, We are not living the law because we have to. We just naturally begin to live out the spirit of the law. You know, we've saved tonight, and people say, well, I'm saved, I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to read the Bible because I already know I'm saved. Folks, this teaches you how to grow closer to the Lord. This teaches you how you have a good relationship with the Lord. And it, it has vi- all the answers in order to live a successful Christian life tonight. This law, this Bible ought to be at the center point of our life. It ought to be what we read and study and live out throughout our days. Because we have been saved by grace through faith, we don't get rid of the law. We establish it in our lives, folks. You know, when before we were saved, we had nothing to do with the Word of God, right? We had nothing to do with it. But now because we have been saved by grace through faith, faith we need to put the God's words that he says this is how you ought to live this is how you ought to be doing we ought to apply this to our lives folks please do not misunderstand me I'm not referring to a sinless perfection because we are not perfect folks we can never be sinless we are going to still mess up But can I tell you that what I'm referring to is the fact that Jesus changes every life that he saves by grace. Praise God for that tonight. His desire and his longing within our hearts to love him. We need to live for him and to do things that please him, to honor him, to bring glory to him. We'd show the world that people can live for God by letting God live in them. And that's what we ought to do tonight. And when I look in the mirror... I see the same face for the last 28 going on 29 years. I see the same person. and I'll see the same person until I pass from this earth. However, I know that that the old man of sin has changed into a new man by the power of the grace of God tonight. And you know, I don't make any claims to be boasting. I don't try to do that, but I know that there is much room. I know there's much room for improvement in my own life. But I do know where where the Lord has found me, when the Lord found me. I remember that. And I praise God that I'm not there anymore, folks. I praise God that I'm I'm trying to live the best for the Lord. Do I mess up? Absolutely. Every one of us are going to mess up. But I praise God that He saved me and I know where I'm at tonight. I know He changes, uh, the changes that He made in my life over the years. Now let me ask you the question. Has He made a change in your life? Has he made a change in your life? Are you saved tonight? What chair are you sitting in? Are you sitting in the do religion? Or are you sitting in the done religion tonight? And if the Lord is showing you something that maybe you're in the wrong chair tonight, can I encourage you to come to him tonight and say, Hey, I'm not going to do anything to be saved anymore because I know it's already been taken care of. I know all I had to do is believe and I can be saved. And maybe you're here tonight and you are saved. And I believe most of us are. But let me just say that sometimes even Christians can be in the do chairs. We can continue to try to do things, to please the Lord, to try to get into heaven. (laughs) Folks, we need to be in the done chair and say, hey, thank God that he's already done for it. But you know what? Because I'm here, I'm going to serve him by doing these other things. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Father. We.